Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This one has been a little while coming, but we're very excited to sit down with Trevor Steinberg, former coach of the St. Mary's Huskies of St. Mary's University, and now the amateur scout for the Maritimes for the Seattle Kraken, Mr. Trevor Steinberg. Trevor, how's the day treating you? Been good. It's been good. Just up uh, watching a little video because, like I say, we can't travel real far right now. <laughs> yeah, it makes scouting a little difficult, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, it does, but I can tell you there's some crazy software out there that allows you to, uh, you know, somewhat keep up with it. There's nothing better than live viewing, but uh, there's some pretty good uh, software packages out there that let you watch video. No, I've seen some of those in action. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You can flag things and go back to things and set plays or whatever so you can see where it is. It's pretty neat. Uh, I know the one for, for my hockey TV, there's a lot of different things that you can drop points and stuff like that so you can go back to it and rewatch it a thousand times without having to rewind the video or whatever. You just clip it. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, we've got one that's it's called Instat that like literally within 12 hours, you know, kid could play in Europe and you, you could have his whole game broken down by his individual shifts so it's uh you know it's obviously filming the game but it, it it lets you know when the player's on and starts the episode and then you can just watch each of the kids shifts so that that does it is a like bigger game changer for sure no definitely well and riding shotgun with us of course is mr jamie anesty sitting down with us as well co-host of offside jamie how's the day treating you i'm i'm good i i look outside today and there's, there's no snow, so that uh, means golf is just around the corner. So I'm, I'm happy. Just, just wait till tomorrow, buddy. <laughs> We're all gonna yeah, get a dose yeah, of it. Uh, I am, Tre- Trevor, Trevor goes to Great, uh, Great Springs, I believe, in Prospect. So uh, hey, now you got a face with the name Trevor. So we, we should be able to go this summer, Great Springs. Well, let's get into that right there, Trevor. Obviously, uh, former head coach of the uh, St. Mary's Huskies. What lit the match for you to want to get into coaching, and you know what kept the flame burning for so long, being behind the bench? Well, I mean, when you retire uh, in, in, from from the game, and you're you know you know still, I was basically still under thirty. Um, 
but that's it's kind of young but it's, it's old you know it's hard to kind of you know go back to school and get your degree and so forth which i'd started but i got an opportunity to work with uh with a uh, alan abraham at green waste systems uh when i started just to get me going and then i got I just got the itch like everybody else. I mean, it's a great game. It treated me well, uh, minus the injuries. But it's uh, I started with Daryl Young at Dow, and I, I really did like it. And then I had an opportunity to go to East Hans for the Maritime Junior A League to be the head coach there. And I, it, was a, it was a good experience. I really enjoyed it. And I got fortunate enough to put my name in the hat at St. Mary's if they, I got the job. So. Well, you go through coaching for St. Mary's, obviously. There's a lot of ups and downs and different things that happen with university hockey. What is one thing for you? I look at the university game here, you know, in Canada, and I look over at the States and what they do there. What is one thing that we can do better over here to kind of grow that game and, and make it more uh, more accessible and put more eyes on it? Because you look over stateside, and it's huge. It's a huge deal. Over here, it's, it's not as big as the fanfare. And I'm just wondering what your opinion is on that and what – what can be done to grow that aspect of it? Well, the, the whole U.S. goes through the education system. So, you know, they have a junior league that you can play in the junior league and, and go right into college. You know, like, uh, you know, you go play at Cornell or you know, any one of those schools. In Canada, what happens is it's more privatized. So it goes through, you go naturally through the junior route. And, you know, they'll never hash it out between major junior A and in U.S. college, so there's two very different destinations. So I'm not sure we'll be able to get our university sport to that level, um, just because they still have you know some budding superstars that go from the USHL or wherever to university, and they're still young, you know, draft eligible, and, and only a couple years after. But what happens in Canada is you can't you can't go to uh, U.S. college if you go junior. So when you go major junior, uh, the only way to get your education after that is during it or after you're uh, done your major junior. And a lot of people think that, you know, guys at that age are a little too old and, you know, uh, have left the scene, but I think they're showing, there's proof of it that there's still some good players in, in the CIS here too. So, No, definitely. I've seen a few of them come through and one you got to be uh, pretty close with was, uh, I think, Rapachi there who played over in the OJHL. Um, I got to see a lot of his games and <clears throat> speak with a lot of people on his play. Um, for, for you, you look at the game, obviously, and you see it through a coach's lens. Now, obviously, we'll talk a little bit about you know being the amateur scout for the Seattle Kraken, but I want to know, for you, what is the best thing? And I saw the, the quote that you put out um, in an article, I think it was uh, last year, about the blood pressure and you know not having to uh, flip out as much or flip your shit. I think is what you said um, in the interview. Um, you know, being a coach. But for you, what what is it the most that you enjoy? Is it is it coaching the aspect? Would it be a general manager? Obviously, you're dipping your toe in scouting now. Um, but what is it for you that really gets the blood pumping, or is it just hockey in general? Well, I don't think. I mean, it's addictive to have that competitiveness in you. You know, those the highs and the lows are. As much as we complain about them, they're they're awesome, you know. Like you can't be, uh, you know, on a high if you haven't experienced some lows and vice versa. So, I mean, I run pretty pretty hot, and I get on the three. I just thought I might mellow out a little bit, but I really didn't. So it's uh, you know when you're just constantly 
you know, rebuilding your teams every year and you're, you know, constantly doing the same things. For 23 years, I just found that, you know, it was it was mounting a little bit. And at the same time, I've got, uh, you know, I've got a son that plays in the States and, you know, I've really never seen him play that much because every time we played or he played for the McDonald's that we played, and, you know, when he went away, they couldn't see him so our schedule. So this gives me a chance to spend some time with, uh, other than COVID with my, with my family and, you know, my, my father recently passed away. He wasn't well. So this was just the right timing. I think just to, you know, before things got, uh, you know, like, however you put it, ever, you know, <laughs> things got done before my son graduated or, you know, again, before my parents passed away, I always wanted to be, you know, around a little bit more for them. And, and it worked out well that way other than the COVID. Well, definitely. I mean, COVID threw a wrench in everything and definitely condolences to your dad passing away. Uh, never easy to lose a parent. Um I mean, for for you, you get the aspect now of being able to be home and being able to be around, uh, you know, everyone that you you love, and especially with COVID now, we find out just how much you know we appreciate the ones we have around because, you know, you have to be in that little bubble and, and you know centric to who you have. Um, but the coaching obviously led you to the chance here to be the amateur scout of the Maritimes for the Seattle Kraken. How did that all come about? How did you get approached? Was it um, one of the big names, or did someone reach out that you knew? How did that all come into play? Uh, it, it really is. It, it's, it, it all happened just because a lot of these NHL teams just realized that they they couldn't get in the, in the maritime bubble because they had to quarantine for two weeks. So you can't send your scout to sit here for two weeks to watch a game or two and then go back. So when the teams realized that you know hockey was going to happen here in the Maritimes, but there was the bubble, then... Uh, I got a call from an, an, an old player of mine, Michael Dawson, who uh, who's, was with North Carolina and, and uh, with Ron Francis, who now went over to Seattle to take over this new program, and Mike Dawson and a few of the other scouts followed. So when they realized they were in this jam, uh, they reached out to Mike and asked if there's anybody down there, and it just happened that, hey, guess what, I'm not working now. and <laughs> uh, You know, it was very part-time. And it still is, but uh, I really have enjoyed it uh, more than I thought. I never thought I would enjoy scouting, but I actually do enjoy going to the games. I uh, believe it or not, I miss the you know, pounding my fist because the guy has a turnover and stuff. So there's still a coach in me, but you know I can literally go home after the game and, for lack of better, I don't, I don't give a shit who wins or loses. I just report on the facts. So when you're you're going out, what is a typical scouting report look like from you? Uh, when you're watching a guy, obviously, I know there's things that you're looking for, but, you know, when you're filling one out, what is a typical one for Trevor that uh, you're sitting there and you fill this out, you watch this player, what are you looking for? Obviously, you talk about the coach in you, but, you know, what are you looking for? What does a Steinberg player need to represent? Well, I mean, first of all, we, you, 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 you rate the, the player's game. Uh, you know, we're looking at, for lack of good description, we're looking at this year, we're looking at a lot of two, the 203s, draft eligibles, Kids are eligible for the draft this year. Um, we look at uh, skating. We look at skill. We look at you know what kind of person they are as far as competing. You know what kind of hockey sense they have. Um, you know those things tend to pop off at you, but it, it's difficult because there's some kids that are 17 that are draft eligible, turning 18, and they're pretty small and they're weak and they've got a lot of improvements. But you're trying to project them. 
um, to where that kid will be when he's 21, 22, 23. And there's a bit of an art to it. I've, I've learned a lot since I've been starting, but it's a, it's just getting to know the player because there's some players right now that uh, have different compete levels. They're different people. They have different uh, level of intestinal fortitude. And, and then obviously there's a difference in skill skating and, and the hockey sense as well. So it's a full package and as complicated as it sounds, it's just go there. And if you like a kid's energy level and compete and skill, then there's a good chance he's going to get a positive rate up. Well, the good thing too this season is the the queue's been going more than any other league, and these guys have uh, you know got a pretty good body of work behind them now, um, and they are going ahead with the draft for this year, even though some players haven't played or you know some leagues haven't even got to get going yet. Um, for you, uh, do you think the queue players will have an advantage in this draft? Obviously, uh, being able to play more and be seen more. Well, you know, so it's funny. I've asked a lot of people have asked that. Some kids have played, and I'm just talking about my my reports or my opinion. Um, but some kids, to me, have uh, at times played themselves away from getting more looks, um, and other kids have done the opposite. You know, you didn't even write about them at the first of the year, and now you're you're starting to go, "Wow, this kid's improving." So again. You, it's whatever catches your eye. So it does, it works two ways. You know, there could be a young fella coming up that had a good year last year and hasn't found any traction this year and you know, has a hard time with the, with what's going on and not improving. And then you got these other kids that are just, you know, growing like weeds as far as their game. And so more games uh, to watch, the better. And that's, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a, a, not just a sample size of, of this, but we're looking for who that player is. So if he can get 10 or 15 games of viewings and he's improving all the time, then that's certainly encouraging. Now, we've had a couple of scouts on before and we asked them this question, you know, what is Seattle looking for? As they Have they pegged you to look for anything in particular for their team or for, you know, for your reports? Or do they just want the best body of work that they can possibly get to go off of come draft time? Well, I mean, they're obviously they're looking for they're looking for all of that, I guess. I mean, there's certain things that kids have as a strength. I mean, you know, we know there's an awful lot of very very skilled kids out there, and and while that's very attractive, skill in skating is probably you know the one two punch. But again, if it's not followed up, if you know, I guess in hockey terms, if you don't play hard and you don't play a heavy game and you're soft, then you're going to run into problems. And then there's other guys with a little bit less talent and maybe not quite as good as skaters that have a you know a heart of a lion in them and courage and they're willing to do whatever it takes to win. So it's that final anticipating that final package going forward. So if I was going to I guess give you the perfect player, then you're going to look at all the superstars. But <laughs> you know, I'm 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 not. Uh, I'm kind of attracted to the Lindros type guys. You know, big, strong, fast, can play and and can play a heavy game. I think that's the way the league's going a little bit. The last teams that have won Tampa Bay, St. Louis, and a lot of successful teams are they're big, they're strong, and they're, they they play a really heavy game. And I think that you know the game went a different way there a few years ago where it was just speed and skill and, and that seems to be uh, a good direction but it, it's certainly changing back to not not the fighting and not the shenanigans but it's certainly turning back to 
a little bit more of an intimidating, rougher, more physical uh, game, I think, if you're going to win a Stanley Cup. No, definitely. And teams are always on the look for guys like the Chuchucks or Tom Wilson or Wayne Simmons or, you know, even even lesser extent like a Marshan or a Gallagher, um, you know, Josh Anderson, those kind of guys. You know, they're not as big in frame as, as Lindros, but they got that drive. They got that, you know, they can put you on your ass. They can score a goal for you. Those kind of things are, are what people are looking for now in teams. And I could see, you know, Seattle looking for that, especially coming into the league. Um, the big question I have, though, I mean, obviously we, we just talked about, you know, this year would it be advantage for Q players getting drafted. But then you look at what happened with Vegas when they came in the league. They had a plethora of picks um, for the first year, the second year, and the third year. Do you think that for this team here, Seattle, coming in, it might be a better idea to ask teams, not for this year's rounders picks, like first or seconds or thirds, but maybe be asking for the next year? when everything's kind of a little bit back to normal, per se. We don't know what that looks like. But you'll get more viewing, more time to see players, more time to get you know info on guys, especially where things have stopped and started, even in the queue. Um, do you think that might be a fair assessment? Yeah, I will say that you know with the technology out there, I mean, there's kids that aren't maybe getting a look, but most of the guys I'm on, experienced scouts, they've known – when we bring up names, they have viewings on them from last year. So it's incredible the amount of intel that, that, that's accessible there. So I wouldn't say this draft is huge to, to Seattle. You know, obviously they're going to build their team from from the expansion draft and, you know, picking up the free agents and so forth like that, the same way Vegas did. But the draft is is everything to us. So, you know, we're – we're really going at it hard. And there's a lot of a lot of guys that uh, we go on the calls with that that completely understand that. And we've got to do our homework. You know, there's some some really good hockey players coming up in the first round, and we want to make sure that you know we don't know the exact order yet of picking either. So, no, and that's got to be an exciting time to wait for that to happen to shake out. But I look at this year, and I say to a lot of people, I think Seattle's poised to get a prettier. Uh, prettier bounty than Vegas got because a you know if the pandemic did anything it flattened the cap and made it nice for Seattle because there's a lot of teams that'll probably want to get away from contracts and there'll be a lot of draft picks attached to trying to do that and you know obviously teams will want to keep players that they won't be able to protect and you know we've seen what Vegas made out like but I think Seattle will have a better chance you know to make out a whole lot better than Vegas because of the pandemic and teams not being able to a spend, but everybody being so tight to the cap with everyone expecting it to go up. Um, and that makes your guys's job that much more important, obviously to get everything in and, you know, hit on those draft picks. Um, you know, obviously you're new to the, the scouting game, but I got to ask, you know, you look at draft picks, you look at the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth round, um, you know, when you look at all the projections of how, you know, players pan out, for you, is it just as important to look for those first round guys as it is important to look for guys from round two to seven? As we we see players falling all the time, some of the greatest ones, you know, like Cronwall and all those kind of guys, jumped in off the seventh round. So I mean, it pays to do your homework, right? It, it, it does, and honestly, when 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 we first went through the list, I mean, you know, you get a tentative list and you kind of go over it and these are all worldwide players so we looked at them all and every you know every one of them your first couple rounds is you know it's you love them you love them but it, it, the real art to 
it is. And the real find is you're exactly right, is it's being able to pick a guy that people don't see coming, you know, some big, strong kid that's improving quickly or some kid that's, you know, hasn't grown yet. You, you, there's there's gems to find out there for sure. And they, the whole draft, it's harder and harder as you get lower in the rounds. Um, some people, you know, there's different avenues. You know, you take a, a shot at a kid that's playing junior now, but, or do you take a shot at he who's got two years to sign him? Or do you decide you want to maybe go with a with a kid playing tier two now that's committed to you know Boston University and they don't have to offer him a contract till like his third year of his of his graduation or when he's graduated. So it just gives you more runway and gives kids a better opportunity to develop. You know, sometimes if they if they go that way, so I, we're put in. I, that isn't a decision I would make, but. You know, you take a kid off the moose edge right now, and if you take him now, we have to offer him a contract to put him back in the draft within two years. If we draft a kid that's going to, to Harvard, for instance, uh, next year, we have four years before we have to offer him a contract. So that those four years are incredible because there's a lot of kids that you see all over, late bloomers that are coming out. Um, and sometimes, you know, you can get drafted and have, you know, hurt your knee the next year, and the next year they just decide not to sign you if you play. So no, those, a lot those of different avenues to look at. Those things are all huge. I mean, you, I, you know, you as a fan or, you know, someone sitting who's not in the minutia of it all, you don't think about those extra years for guys to kind of cook and season. And we all talk about so much about how guys need more time to develop, more time to develop. And, you know, it looks like. Sometimes the NCAA route might be better. You look at guys like McAvoy coming across and things like that, or Dylan Larkin, uh, Zach Hyman went that way as well. Um, you know, it just gives them the extra time to not only build confidence, but like you talked about earlier, guys gaining size and muscle and mass and, you know, learning how to use your body and those things too. I mean, some kids, they grow into their body and then, you know, they don't know how to use the force. I look at a guy like Frederick Goche, huge guy, big frame, couldn't get it done in the NHL really. Um, he was used on the Leafs. He was there, but he never was one for throw big body hits or, you know, grind it out along the wall. But a guy with that size, you would hope to learn to use it. So, you know, maybe having those extra years of seasoning and, you know, brushing up against guys your age and your size might help that and develop the guy into a better player. There's no question. You know, whenever you're preparing for anything, it's always, it's always nice to have a little bit longer runway. And there's some kids that don't need it. I mean, we've seen here a lot of kids go through the – major junior a and get drafted and barely spend any time in the minors just go straight to the nhl but again they're usually your top guys um and there's other people that uh, need a longer runway you know uh, example my son if he's ever going to play at, at another level um i do believe he needs a longer runway you know he's still growing and filling out and maturing and and, uh, you know, right now, if he drafted earlier, he would have to, had to have a contract offered to him. And this wouldn't be a very good year for people handing out contracts. So, so right now, he's can go back to, he's just taking courses at Cornell right now and continuing to go back and do his school. And they've got a, he's got a few more years to mature. And they've got a few more years to wait and decide what they want to do. But, um, you know, major junior A is certainly a very quick way if you're a talented to, to get noticed quick and get drafted and get yourself to the National Hockey League if you're good enough. So we look at what's coming down the pipeline. Obviously, Seattle has the expansion draft, the regular draft, and then they get up and running. Um, I want to ask you, obviously, you get to be a part of that a little bit now, um, you know, obviously doing the amateur scouting. 
But what have you gotten energy-wise out of the uh, the organization? What have you, I guess, got in your interactions and things like that? How is the overall vibe? I mean, obviously it's got to be exciting, but there's also got to be a fair amount of stress that goes along with it, trying to put together a team, trying to make sure, you know, not only do you hit on your expansion draft, but you hit on your draft because, like you said, it's very crucial and very key to stock that pipeline early and often, and we can look no further than Vegas and what they did and how it helped them you know, become who they are already, a uh, perennial powerhouse in the NHL. So Seattle's probably looking at that model. But what's the uh, the overall appetite there in Seattle that you've gotten so far in your probably limited interactions due to COVID? Yeah, it's, it's been interesting. We've, I mean, we're on calls after a while. It was once a week talking about players. And I what it was really, I guess, really neat is when you're, when you're working – and your boss is, you know, someone like Ron Francis, who who knows what money, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, this guy's pretty well-to-do, and it's incredible how, how the leadership uh, that he shows and the other people around him, like, you know, within two or three hours, if you put a call into Ron, you know, he's going to answer you back. He just, and who am I? I'm, you know, I'm a guy that he's probably met once and, you know, uh, hired on a reference. Um but he treats everybody that way. And when we get on the calls here, they're very supportive. Um, they want our opinions. They don't want shared opinions. They, they want us to go on a limb on these players. Um, but they're very professional. I've really been encouraged. And that's probably what I've enjoyed the most is watching. You know, I'm taking notes, too. I mean, you know, I ran a hockey team and a program for a long time. But when I see how these guys run it, you go, wow, are these guys professional and, and the work ethic, uh, the attention to detail, um, what you're expected to do. And it's, uh, you know, I thrive on, or I enjoy the pressure, but at the same time, I didn't realize there was so much put into it uh, as far as the software, the analytics to it, the, you know, taking in information and regurgitating it out so it's in plainer terms for everybody, you know, and so forth. So Seattle or it's been an incredible uh, opportunity for me to just almost just sit back and watch how all of this is done. So you look at Seattle, obviously, and now that you're a part of it, you know, is this something that you're going to be wanting to do, you know, beyond this uh, this year? Have they offered you, is it term you have with this, or is it just until everything gets back to kind of normal, or what's the deal for you here with Seattle? I, have, I, I, I don't know. I got hired as a... You know, almost like I was you know, kind of doing them a favor by, you know, watching the Halifax games, you know, inside the bubble and trying to keep an eye on this, the maritime portion of the Quebec League. Um, but, and I was okay with that. But when they realized later that, you know, everything was getting shut down and the video we're going to have to watch is going to be kind of worldwide, they didn't treat me like a part-time scout. They just said, guys, here's what we're going to do. Here's our plan of action, which they put together very quickly. And I was kind of watching 15 or 20 players a week on this software package all around the world, you know, and we'd all watch the same players, you know, two or three games, put a report on them, our own report. And then we did this week by week by week by week. So um, kept me kept me out of trouble at Christmas. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, uh, yeah, it was really neat. And when you see the, the workload that, that goes on, uh, you realize what the full-time guys are are going to go through as well, but COVID was just a game changer that way. So I have no idea what their plans are for, uh, 
next year. Um, I'll be honest. Yeah, it'd be neat if they included me in some capacity, but that wasn't the reason that, that I started. No, definitely. Well, I got to ask then, um, is this something you'd want to pursue going forward? Obviously, now you can hitch that to the resume and say, hey, you know, amateur scout for the Seattle Kraken doesn't look too shabby, not a big deal. Um, you know, people look at that and say, well, we could definitely use this guy. Um, hopefully Seattle keeps on with you. Um, but if they don't, is the NHL and being a scout for someone something that uh, Trevor wants to keep doing? Yeah, I'd be, uh, yeah, 100%. I think that uh, I would, depending on the team and, and the personnel and so forth, I think, you know, I really want out with the guys that I've got now and um, they understand my role and, and uh, if, if I'd love to continue doing it, I think certainly with these guys, if, if I don't, uh, you know, I'm open to anything, but, but scouting has certainly kept me in the game and I, I don't, you don't realize until you walk away from something that, you know, I'll walk into a rink now and see a guy that I haven't seen in five, 10, maybe even 15 years. Um, so it's great to get back and just be back in the, the mix, I guess, but just in a, a little bit different situation. You know, I'm not coming home Friday and Saturday wearing the wins and losses or trying to steer 20 guys to do things. It's just, it's more on me right now to do my job behind the scenes. No, it's a good looking job. And I know if you hit on, uh, Bobby Orr for the uh, the Mooseheads there and get him on the Seattle Kraken. You know, just the name base alone right there, we'll, uh, we'll have some fun with that. So I know Jamie's got a couple questions for you, so I've been hogging the mic. So, Jamie, uh, go ahead and fire off, my friend. Um, I'm just going to mention a, a few names. Uh, Joel Ward, he played uh, University Hockey. And uh, look at the roots that uh, Shane Bowers has gone through. Uh, Drake Bathurst, all from the Maritimes. So it's I'm just, I'm just uh, talking about what you guys just mentioned about the different routes, like Matheson's routes. He's still in Colorado right now in the American Hockey League. So um, even though you're, you're in university hockey, uh, junior A, junior B for that matter, there's still an opportunity to go to the NHL. Uh, look, at, look at Alex Tuck, for example. Uh, Alex Kilhorn came from Halifax played uh, univers- university in the States, and he, he made it to the NHL. So um, just because your you're draft is, say, 200th or 300th, or, you know, you played junior A, Justin Williams played junior A, uh, won a Stanley Cup. So um, I just wanted to mention that for the viewers that, you know, maybe got, get drafted high uh, in the draft, say 200, or played junior A, there's still a chance to make the NHL. Um, I just wanted to mention that. And another thing, too, is I've gone to quite a few AUS games, which is Atlantic University Sport uh, for people across Canada that don't know uh, what AUS means. But I want to ask Trevor, how important is it to have these coach leagues? I know there's been teams that have folded, uh, Brampton Beach folded. Uh, there's been teams that are folding because of COVID and just, you know, financially they can't uh, just stay above water so how, how important is it to keep the ECHL because I've talked to Mike Fines um, in the last week and guys are leaving St. Mary's to go to the East Coast right now uh, Anthony Rapatchi is with the Worcester uh, Railers and, and they aren't, aren't playing this year so right now Anthony Rapatchi is is not playing he, he's a free agent and nobody's, I don't believe anybody's picked him up as of yet as of this week 
Um, so how, how important is it to have the East Coast Hockey League? And my last question is, for people across Canada that don't know about Can West, which is a university league in, out west, uh, OUA is in Ontario, Quebec, and AUS is in the Maritimes, do you strongly believe that university hockey is at a higher level than, than Quebec Major Junior, uh, OHL, and the Western Hockey League? Well, as it goes, and it's, you know, it's, it's everybody's got to share a little bit of this because we take a Joel Ward, for instance. It, it, well, our whole level is 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 better hockey than Major Junior A. But let's be reasonable. We have guys that are twenty one that we go and get a, we go get their overage players, which are good good solid players that are mature and have been kept there for a reason. Major Junior A. We take those every year to their age they're almost 25 so we're obviously in 90 percent of the cases we would we would go in and beat a major junior a team and, and maybe even handle you but you got to remember they're kids these kids are budding you know some of these are young stars that are going to turn on you know go to the national hockey league when they're getting back to whether you know the joel wards and so forth it, it, it's we're watching these leagues more and more and obviously with me coming from from uh university hockey here i i I value some of these players, and I know some of them can, can play at the next level. They just missed they're a little small, like we talked about, you know. And this is the best place for them to play. But I would say, you know, get the Apaches and guys like this. Is they're not taking no for an answer. The reality is, is there's a, there are kids that come to university hockey that it's on them to get better. But see, sometimes they get to this level and they think, well, I didn't get drafted. I'm done major junior A and I'm, I'm not being watched right now. Well, that's not true. They are being watched and they're being watched more and more. So the Joel Wards of the world, they just took, they wouldn't take no for an answer. There's other guys in this league right now that, you know, uh, aren't maybe doing everything they can do. So there's got to be some owns taken on the player as well to say, hey, I may be in university hockey, but I'm not giving up. And some guys start that descent and some guys don't. And the Joel Wards of the world, and the Apaches, and, you know, there's kids all over, you know, uh, Sean O'Donnells and so forth like that, that, that just refuse to take no for an answer. So they end up getting into pro hockey. And once you're there, anything can happen. Is that everything you got, Jamie? Yeah, I just I just wanted to get your your perspective on because uh, I've gone to few games and uh, the gentlemen that go they're like, you know, this is this hockey is better than the Mooseheads because they're they're they've already played the, the junior level. They're grown individuals and um, it, it's tough to see too. Like um, you guys had Hunter Garland, who I thought would have fulfilled his four years or five years at Spew, and he left uh, around three years. He got an offer with the uh, Milwaukee Admirals, National Predators organization. So that's another thing, too, is when EC, ECHL teams knock on your door, even if you're in St. Mary's, Dalhousie, for two years, I, I, is it hard to say no to the East Coast, even though you think maybe a three- or four-year program is better off? My like, opinion, guys, my opinion is it's got to be said no to like for, okay. for any player to be sitting here, you know, and let's just say you're two years into your degree here, for, for lack of better, it's 10 grand a year in education. You know, 
you're 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 at Canadian University, and two years in, you decide to leave to go to the East Coast. I, I can only tell you, I that would not be. I'd be bouncing Matt's head off the wall if he decided to do that. You know, my own <laughs> yeah. son. You get your degree. Yeah. If you're good enough. This is a good enough league that you're competing with men. You'll get better when you're done your degree or do a summer courses. Do it quickly. But the East Coast is a league for guys to go after they've done their university, in my opinion. I have never, I've never given a guy, I, I, I've understood, but I always would say to a player, stay, get your degree, commit yourself to your degree. You know, it just doesn't make sense to go into the East Coast that way. You're talking about an American League contract one way, but yeah. if you're going to go to the coast, you know, it's a good league, I get it. But the odds are stacked against you in that way as much as they are against going to university. But what's the benefits? You go to university, you get a business degree from a university or a degree, you know, you've got another 60, 70 years to live where you go to the East Coast and if it doesn't work out, you've got nothing to show. You know, you don't have that piece of paper. And if you're not prepared, to, if you're not a school person or able to do that, that's one thing, but... Any kid that's, that I think is capable of getting himself through university is, uh, I'll, I'll even say it to, to teams coming in to play us at St. Mary's, if a kid said, you know, I got a chance to go to East Coast or university, I, I, I don't care. I'd say the kid in Acadia, St. of X, UMB, stay in school. Stay in school. Yeah. And improve and do take care of that piece of your life first. Because you're getting older, you're getting stronger, and you'll be a better player when you're 23 or 24 anyways. Yeah, and, uh, sorry, and a lot of things too. It, it's about the player thinking that they're maybe better than themselves. But you know, look at for a great. This is a great example. Terry Ryan's father, Terry Ryan Senior. He got he was playing with the Hamilton Red Wings, right? But they were paying for the school. He was he wanted to become a teacher, and he said, uh, "I believe the Minnesota North Stars at the time offered him a contract." And I've had so many conversations in the last month. Right, I've done great. They they all turned down contracts just because there are two ways. And I know it's different back in the day. The dollar amount was a little bit lesser than what they made at their actual job, but they took the school over over hockey just because they knew the caliber of player they were. Maybe Hunter believed that he could make the Milwaukee Admirals. But you made a great point where it, it's sad to see that a lot of players are only doing. Two, look at look at Austin Hardy. It took five years. Patchy fulfilled his five years. Um, now his situation is a bit different because he already committed back to you guys when the East Coast is cut. It's kind of a timing thing. The East Coast came to him when he already committed to you guys. So it's it's tough. Like right now, like dollars is a lot of money to kids, and sometimes they choose to go to the East Coast and not fulfill their their St. Mary's degree, but. Um, I just wanted to point that out. It's sad to see that, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's up, I, I believe it's up to the player, but you made a great point that education is a lot better off than getting that uh, full-time East Coast uh, yeah, elite position. Right? And Jamie, you got and yeah. For $250,000, yeah. yeah. you do an awful lot of things, but I, I, I can rest assured that they're, they're, yeah. they're not making that in the East Coast. Yeah. You know, yeah. half the guys, some of these guys are thinking, oh, I'll go down there and I'm going to get called up right away and I'm going to go down there and no. golf. And 
play hard. But, you know, yeah, I, I guess if I've said is everybody thinks it's going to be easy, you know, it's the East Coast and stuff. But they, you know, they have to remember, and I'll just put it in, which I, I've actually put this in layman's terms to some of the guys, not recently as I'm getting older. But, you know, a guy like me could have ended up, and if I wanted to pursue my career a couple more years, I could have maybe gone to the East Coast and, you know, taken that demotion and gone down and had a couple more years. So if some kid thinks he's going to come, you know, when I'm 30 years old and he thinks he's going to come into my East, my team here in the East Coast from university to think it's easy, I mean, if I've got a wife and two kids that I'm trying to support, I, 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 I'm pretty confident that I'll get the goddamn puck out of the corner a lot easier than he will. And he doesn't know what he's going to be up against. So some of these kids don't understand that there's grown men down in the East Coast fighting for, you know, to make a living. So it's not yeah. that easy, you know. And yeah. it's not that easy when you're doing going down there and getting, you know, in, in my case, you know, I, I tried to change my game and play a tougher role and so forth because maybe the, my skating wasn't as good. And you realize later that, you know, you're getting down there and you may think you're getting a lot of money, but getting beat up and injured for all those years isn't isn't fun when it's all over. So I always tell the guys, get your degree first because you have no idea what to expect. You know, the East Coast is great to have. It's that farm club for the American League teams. But um, and, and no way I tried to throw Hunter under the bus. But it's just an example because uh, Hugh had a bright future ahead of them. Um, Unfortunately, you guys lost to uh, Santa Fax. Mark can't plan on his head, but that's a story for another day. But um, it's just unfortunate kids go to the East Coast when, you know, maybe they should stay in school. But um, that's all I really had to say about that. So. Yeah, no, no. And, and, and guess what? It's their choice, and that's what they think, yeah. and I understand. But, you know, we're not here just as coaches at university. You know, I love Hunter to death. He's a great kid, and I, and, you know, I still talk to him. I'm still going to beat him up about coming back and doing his degree and, you know, finishing that off. But, you know, as other times I've said, when I was, when I was playing, I can remember being in the American League, and it seems every kid's going to do anything he can do to get to the American League and thinks that that's kind of the finish line. Well, every kid in the American League right now, or 80% of the guys in the American League, are not happy there. They want to go to the NHL. So, you know, it's not, you know, where's your finish line? And that's really important. And I think as long as the finish line is your overall betterment of your whole life, then that's what you have to do. And usually education. If it's, you're not a sure guy in the NHL or going to make big money, go go get an education through Canadian U.S. or, you know, you've got your Canadian options here that are really good. But, you know, playing junior for that many years and going to school and then, you know, a year or two short leaving to go play in the East Coast, that's where I sometimes feel that's my job or was my job to step in and have them maybe reconsider a little bit. Um, it's not easy to go back in your 30 and, you know, take full time and just pay for your education, right? Well, that comes <clears throat> that comes full circle to what you were saying earlier about yourself, right? Trying to figure out and going back to school and get a degree, and you know, then you got on for coaching and things like that. You know, getting a degree it sets you up for the rest of your life beyond hockey. Whether you keep playing or you don't, or there's an injury, whatever, you always have that to fall back on, and that's something a lot of guys need to have in the back of their mind. I don't think they do because, like Jamie alluded to, you know, you want to think that you're going to make wherever you're going, a difference, and then get called up and keep making a difference and get called up again to the big show. But, 
you know, having that education to fall back on is absolutely key. But Trevor, I know you're pressed for time. You got to jump on another Zoom call. So I want to thank you very much for taking the time yeah, with us I'll, today. I'll, 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 leave, I'll, leave, I'll leave you with that. You know, it's kind of neat that all these kids want to, want to you know, they, they want to play so bad, but they do need to think of the, the betterment of who they want yeah. to be for the rest of their lives. Yeah, and I was going to say, that's uh, that's the only point I get across, but it's uh, Canadian University is the best-kept secret. I think everybody knows it, and so people go, and there are kids there that can play at a later, you know, overseas, you know, uh, play pro later, and it's, it's happening all the time, and the league's getting better, so... The league is getting watched now. I can guarantee it because I'm watching it or I'm excited to watch it. Um, and so are the other scouts. So it's it's picking up it's picking up a, a strength as far as, as people starting to watch CIS hockey for sure. Well, we look forward to getting you back on, obviously, once the draft is done for Seattle. See uh, if any of your uh, Coles notes got in there and you got a guy that you wanted or when you pound the table, whether it's via a conference call or whatever for a guy that you've scouted. But... I want to thank you very much for spending the time with us today, and we look forward to uh, what Seattle can do, and hopefully they don't pillage the Toronto Maple Leafs too much. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Anytime. I do, I do appreciate it. Thanks. No problem, Trevor. Bye. All right, so that was Trevor Steinberg, amateur scout for the Maritimes for the Seattle Kraken, former St. Mary Husky head coach here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. All right, guys, this is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk. <laughs>